we doing, everybody? At both of our campuses and those joining us online, we are so excited that you're here. You wouldn't even believe how excited we are. Uh, Metro is a place that is designed to encourage you and to equip you and to motivate you to take your next steps with God. Um, that's my hope, is that when you come into this space, that your heart would be open and ready for that, dialed into that. So are you ready? Are you ready? Let's do this thing. Um, I heard a story recently about a rabbi and an atheist that take this uh, kind of like national flight across the country. And I know that sounds like the beginning of a very, very uh, bad joke, an atheist and a, and a rabbi walk into a bar or something like that. Uh, but this is no joke. This is a story. And, and uh, it's true. The, this rabbi is sitting next to this atheist on this kind of a cross-country flight. And uh, this atheist fellow could not help but notice what was going on in relationship to uh, this old rabbi and his children and grandchildren. And, and you may know that a, a rabbi is... Is, is sort of like a, he's a Jewish um, a spiritual leader, much like a, a pastor, if you will. And of course, an atheist is somebody who does not believe in God. And so uh, this atheist is sitting there and he's watching how this rabbi's children and grandchildren are treating him. There is this like constant, every few moments, one of the uh, grandkids would come and say, Grand, Grandpa, Granddaddy, Granddaddy, do you, do you, do you need something? Can I get you a water or something to drink? Can I get you something to eat or something to read? And they were constantly, one child after the other, coming back and going, Granddaddy, can, can we help you in any way? Do you need anything in any way? And eventually this atheist is watching this and he leans over to the rabbi and he says, I, I can't help but notice uh, what honor and respect and what dignity, uh, how your children are treating you is absolutely uh, amazing to me. And then he says this, my children don't treat me anything like that. And the rabbi's reply to this atheist, uh, I thought was incredibly wise. He, he, he said this, he says, he says, I want you to think about something here. To my children and grandchildren, I am one step closer to the God who created them, to the God who spoke our name, to the God who wants a relationship with us. And you and your children you are just one step closer to nothingness than they are. Friends, doesn't that just tell the whole story about how God changes the way that we view humanity? Doesn't it just tell the story about how, how our faith, and if, I, don't, I don't know if you're a person of faith, but, but when you come to faith in God through Jesus, it changes the way you treat people. It ought to change the way that you treat people. Now, we're in this series called Virtues, and uh, it's a series about our inner character. It's about the, the, the stuff that's rattling deep inside of our soul, uh, the stuff that, that kind of guides us through life, and we're not even fully aware of it. Uh, it's the stuff that helps us rise above the negativity of this world. It helps us to rise above the junk that wants to pull us down, in this world. It's this thing called virtue. And we've been saying that this idea of virtue has to be grown inside of us because it is so easily forgotten in our world, right? And we've been talking about some virtues like loyalty. Remember this? We talked about how we live in this throwaway world. But God doesn't want us to live in a throwaway world. That loyalty is a character of God. And it ought to be reflected in our lives. Uh, we, we talked about this idea of perseverance and having this fight through life that doesn't give up easy, right? And, and of course, we talked about humility, that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And, and so we've been talking about these, these virtues that are easily forgotten in our world. And, and today, if it's okay with you, I'd like to talk about another virtue, that I think is largely forgotten in our world. And it's the virtue of honor. Respect, honoring other people. 
Um, if you've got a Bible, I would love for you to travel with me into Mark chapter 6. If you have a smartphone, I would love for you to check this out on your own. Uh, you can just Google Mark 6, and it's a miracle. It'll come up there for you. Uh, and let me just give you a little backstory to Mark chapter 6. Uh, Jesus is returning back to his own hometown. This is not his place of birth. Uh, he was birthed somewhere else, and, but this was where he was raised as a little guy. He grows up here, and, and now he's returning to his own hometown. And what's interesting is that he visited his hometown a year prior or so, and it did not go well. As a matter of fact, in his own hometown, when he visited a year earlier, uh, they almost killed him. They literally chased him out of town. They ran him out of town. Um, and so uh, Jesus is on this, I guess you'd call it like a tour, right? He's like in a rock band and he's turning around or he's like a, an author that is on like a book tour, but he, except he wasn't in a band and he, and he didn't write a book, but he's literally going from town to town, turning around, uh, teaching and doing, and I know this is going to be a hang up for some people, but he's doing all of this uh, miraculous stuff that nobody's ever seen done before. Uh, the scripture says that he's re having these miraculous moments where he turns water to wine. He, he literally raises dead people back to life. He helps blind people to see and deaf people to hear. And as a matter of fact, it even records that um, Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, which Peter is one of his followers. And the scripture records that he heals Peter's mother-in-law, which is uh, interesting because a lot of scholars think that that is why Peter later denied Jesus. No. But it is true, really. He, he does heal Peter's mother-in-law, and Peter does deny Jesus. It's just that the two stories aren't connected in any way as far as I can tell. Uh, but but it, it does say that Jesus is out doing all of this stuff, and he comes back to his own hometown, and the same kind of stuff doesn't happen in the same quantity that it happens elsewhere. Something is different here. And it has to do with this thing called honor. Listen to this. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 1, it says, uh, Jesus left there and went to his own hometown, accompanied by his, who? The disciples, the closest followers of Jesus. They were following him around and listening to him and growing and learning from him. Uh, and when it came to the Sabbath day, he began to teach in their synagogue, which is like their church. And many who heard him were, what is this word? Were amazed. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where did this man get these things? Uh, they asked. And, and what, what, where is this wisdom from? What, what, what's this wisdom that he's been given, that has been given to him? And he even does what? Miracles. In other words, wow, this guy is ridiculous. This guy is amazing. He, his teaching is not like all the other teachers we've ever seen. There is power. There is authority to move the human heart. And it's accompanied by these miraculous signs and wonders. And it's clearly different, right? Uh, but then something shifts. Listen to this. This is, this is the strangest thing. But somebody goes, wait a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the guy who grew up right around here and he was like a roofer and, and I knew this kid back in high school. And then isn't he Mary's son? The brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Isn't he ordinary like everybody else? And his sisters are here with us and, and they took offense at him. Now this is strange to me. In one breath they're going, woo! This guy's got something going on. And then when they find out who he is, they're like, oh yeah, he ain't nothing. Does this make any sense? You see what's going on here? Because nothing good comes out of down river. Right? We think, we think, oh, no, no, no. He, he's not going anywhere because he's from here. And that's what they thought. They, they saw something different. But when they figured out that he was from there, from their town, all of a sudden jealousy kicks in. Right? All of a sudden envy kicks in. All of a sudden doubt kicks in and they start to belittle him. They, they start to knock him down because they're like, hey, wasn't this the teacher's pet? Didn't he always get like 100% on the exam? I mean, how come? I mean, no, 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 no. He, and all of a sudden they start to knock him down, right? And Jesus says to them, listen to his response. Listen to what he says. Only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Huh. 
you see, it's interesting. The, the Greek word there uh, translated for without honor is this word atomos. And atomos literally means uh, that, that if you're taking notes, it, it literally means to dishonor or to belittle or to treat as common and as ordinary. Friends, let me, let me tell you something. If you want, let's say, a common and ordinary marriage, then just learn atomos in your marriage. Just learn to dishonor your spouse. Treat them as common and ordinary. And I promise you something, friends. You will have a common and ordinary home. You will have a common and ordinary marriage. Uh, friends, what, what happens in the early years? Anybody remember when you first get married? Uh, like I've done hundreds of weddings and, and they're so in love. It's the best day of my life. Oh, kissy face. I love you. <laughs> Right? And that's how it starts. I mean, it's like they can do no wrong and they're perfect. And it's like, honey, baby doll, honey, sugar pie, you are so beautiful. You are wonderful. Come here, come here, come here, right? And you're bringing flowers and you're doing the little things. And you're, you know, she's even cleaning out the garage for crying out loud. It is amazing, right? In the early years. But then something miraculous happens. And it shifts around. And all of a sudden, that which was so special in the early years is just simply gone. Because now why? We're taking it for granted. She's there every day, he's there every day, and so it's no big deal anymore. And all of a sudden, it's no longer honoring, but it's dishonoring. Now we're taking it for granted. We're, 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 not, we're not giving it the, the, the weight that this thing deserves. Now, the flip side of dishonor is this word called honor, right? And in the Greek, it's this word called teme. Now, not time, it looks like time, like, but it has nothing to do with the clock, really. But it's this idea of tame, which means to, to, to lift or to honor, to value, to hold in esteem. It carries this idea that that which you honor has value and weight to it that is different than other things. Now, now for example, uh, one of the cool things about being a pastor is that from time to time, uh, I get cool little notes from people in our, in our little church here. And they're very encouraging and they write all kinds of like nice stuff on there. And, uh, and they, you know, the, the best ones have these little Chipotle gift cards in there. <laughs> just saying. And, uh, and they give these things to you and, and it just makes you feel great, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's, it really does. But let me tell you, there are two um, cards or notes uh, that are different than all, all the hundreds and hundreds of other notes I've ever got. Uh, and they're the only two notes that I keep in the stand next to my bed. And they're two notes that were written by my two older children. Um, once upon a time, they wrote me a note saying, Dad, we love you. I love you. Um, you're extraordinary. Uh, thank you for being a good dad and a good husband and a good example of what it means to follow Jesus, right? And so these two notes are to me. They, they hold a, a special place of honor for me. They, they hold a special weight because why? Because it's who they, they came from, right? It's who gave them to me. That, that makes all the difference in the world. I mean, you, you're, you're important, but you're not my, my children, right? And so it's just different. And so I keep them at my bedside, frankly, because when my kids think I'm crazy and I'm a loser and I'm the worst dad on planet Earth, I just go back and I read this letter that reminds me how awesome I was at one point in my life, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it's just true. And so um, this idea of honoring, what does it do? Honoring lifts, honoring encourages, dishonoring devalues, it, it tears down. Uh, to honor someone means to believe the best in them or of them, uh, but to dishonor believes the worst about them. Uh, dishonoring, again, it tears, it breaks while, while honoring puts things together, while honoring lifts things up that no, normally are not lifted up. Uh, matter of fact, years ago, I heard about a couple uh, that was working with another couple doing some counseling and mentoring. And the couple that was doing the counseling, uh, the counselor couple, they were, to be honest, very, very successful people, really in kind of all ways in life. And uh, as a matter of fact, they were quite famous, to be honest. And they were mentoring this other uh, couple, and th their marriage was broken. It was, uh, it was bad. It was a mess. And so they had many, many sessions together, and they're kind of going back and forth over and over and over and over again. And finally, um, the, the woman who was doing the counseling stops the discussion and says, that's it. I've had enough. You know what the problem is in this marriage? 
is that you don't honor your husband. You speak poorly of him in every session we've had. You jab at him, you poke at him, you knock him down, you put him in his place. And it's not just in here in these private counseling sessions. I hear about it all over the church. Your friends have talked about it. You talk about it. You, you're out there. You're knocking him down and everybody knows it. Now, the lady receiving the counsel in the bad marriage, she literally says back to this lady, she says, well, it'd be easy for me to honor my husband if he was like your husband. Her husband's sitting right there. And she says, it'd be easy for me to honor my husband if my husband was like your husband doing great things. But he's not doing great things. And this counselor lady said something back that I'll never forget. She says, she says well, the reason my husband is doing great things is because I have spent the last 25 years lifting him, encouraging him, and honoring him. And you might want to try that. And that might be the reason he's doing great things. I think that's a good point, isn't it? I think that's a really, really Good points. Because this is what honor does. It gets beneath someone and it lifts them to where they aren't normally or naturally on their own. It builds, it lifts. Uh, and, and listen, friends, we can treat somebody with honor that is not normally honorable. Because here's why, friends. Respect is earned. Honor is freely given. Respect is earned. But honor is freely given. Honor comes when you recognize the worth and, and value of somebody intrinsically inside of them. Uh, honor comes from when you understand that they were created and fashioned in the image of God. Uh, respect is a result of what they have achieved. Respect is something uh, that they've accumulated or accomplished in, in their life. It's an appropriated thing to them because, because they've somehow have earned it. But listen, honor is different than that. Honor attaches worth to a human being. Honor is something deeper than respect. And so friends, listen, we can honor somebody simply because they were created in the image of God. We, we, can, we can honor somebody even if they do less than honorable things or respectable things simply because they were fashioned like you after God our creator and they have value. And it's something honor is freely given, not just earned. And you may think, well, well, I'll treat them with honor when they start to live honorably. No, 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 no. Friends, listen, check this out. Listen, check this out. You can treat with honor before they are living honorably. And the honor which you bestow upon them often lifts them to live honorably. I'm preaching way better than y'all are reacting. Say that again, Pastor Jay. That was so good. Thank you for asking. I will read that again to you. You can treat with honor before they are living honorably and the honor which you bestow upon them often lifts them to live honorably. Why? Because it empowers people to become more. It lifts people to become more. It encourages people to become more. And friends, listen, the reason our country, I think, is the way it is in so many ways is because we have devalued one another. We, we think nothing of knocking down and tearing down and poking away. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to do everything I can to crush your spirit. Now watch what dishonor does to the Son of God. Watch what dishonor does to Jesus himself. He is not able to accomplish what he accomplishes in every other town. He's not able to accomplish it in his own hometown. Here's what it says. Jesus... Verse six, five, excuse me, it says, Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them, which I think is pretty amazing. I can't do that, but he does this. But that's like a small deal for him because he's used to such bigger things. So it says, Jesus could not do any miracles there except heal a few sick people. And then he was amazed, listen, he was amazed at how incredibly faithful they were. He was amazed at how amazing and strong their faith was. No, he was amazed at their lack of faith, right? Now, 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 check this out. Listen, it does not say he would not do anything. It doesn't say that he didn't want to do something great there. What does it say, friends? He couldn't do it. He, he literally could not do it other than to heal a few sick people again, which is amazing, but that's not all he was called to do. He was called to do so much more than that, but there was something, something that was stopping it. And I don't, I don't, fully understand this, but I find this incredibly interesting. I find that there is this link because where there was a lack of faith, there was a lack of honor. 
And where there was a lack of honor, there was a lack of faith. Come on. You hear me, friends? Where, where there was a lack of faith, there was a lack of honor. And where there was a lack of honor, there was very little good going on. Where there's a lack of honor in your home, in your marriage, there is very little good going on. Where there is a lack of honor in your office, where there's backbiting and belittlement, there is very little good going on. There is, where there is a brokenness, where there's very little good going on between a mother and a son or a father and a daughter or a family, uh, parents to children or children to parents, there is a lack of honor. And where there is a lack of honor, there is very little good that goes on. Honor lifts. Honor encourages. Honor change, literally changes the environment. Jesus, listen, Jesus could not do what he did everywhere else because there is this tie between faith and honor. Honor and, and faith. And tragically, friends, we have become this culture, right? Where, where there is this, this lack of honor through and through. And so here's what I want to do, if it's okay with you. Um, I want to get around... Uh, two or three things that the scripture teaches us very directly about this thing called honor. And I'm going to warn you right now, uh, these are hard things for all of us. For, you're going to find one of these to be incredibly, incredibly difficult. And here, here's the first one. You ready for this? You all ready for this? You ready on video? You guys ready on our campus? The first one is this, is that God has called us to honor our parents. Oh. Jay, you don't even know my dad. It's horrible. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Let me read it to you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says this. Honor your father and your mother so that you might live long in the land that the Lord God is giving to you. It's, it's a command of God. Uh, in another part of the scripture, I don't know, you might be familiar with this. Anybody remember there's another part in the New Testament part of the Bible that says it differently. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Anybody remember this? So in one passage, we're told to honor. In another passage, we're told to obey. But there's a difference between obedience and honor. Let me tell you what the difference is. Honor is a lot harder than obeying. A lot harder. Because obedience is simply doing the right thing in the right moment. Honor is doing the right thing in the right moment with the right heart. It's totally different. You see, because when we get older, we get older. My kids have to obey me because I own the house, right? right? I'm the dad. I control things. But I'm an adult now, and I still have to honor my mama. And that's a lot harder than obedience as a child. We're, we're somehow called to bring honor to some of the most difficult relationships that we have, to honor our mother and our father. And tragically, wouldn't you agree uh, that in our culture today, uh, this is just not part of what we see? Come on. We, we see, this blows my mind. We, we, you, you've seen this, right? We, we, you see kids... Uh, in just the harshest way, talking back to their parents. You see them totally disregarding what the parents' wishes are. You, you see them cussing and, and cursing at their, at their parents. You, you see them belittling their parents, being demanding of their parents, raising their voices at their parents. You, you've seen this, right? You, you've been to Walmart, right? Okay, you know what I'm talking I should not say some things. I'm so sorry. But, but you've been there, right? Uh, and, and you've seen this lived out. Um, so let me, let, me just, let me just get old-fashioned with you just for a moment. Can I just get old-fashioned in our little house? Uh, we have tried to teach um, a culture of honoring parents in our house from the earliest days. And uh, even to this day, uh, we, we, we try this. And I'm not saying that we're winning the war here. I, I'm not saying that we get this right, but, but we try. As a matter of fact, you, this is so amazing. My wife has been so faithful to this. Um, and just with a calmness and resolution of soul. She is like clockwork with this. Here's what happens. Lynette goes out to the living room. She yells upstairs, kids, come on down. We need you to help with dinner. And here's what happens. Here's what, I don't know, this is probably just my house. What? 
what? Right? And uh, my wife, she's so good. She just goes, not what, but yes, mom. Oh, a thousand times. Not what, yes, mom. Over and over again, because a culture of honor matters, doesn't it? There's, there's something in the tone of a voice, isn't there? Uh, come on down here, guys. We need some help in the yard. What? <laughs> Not what? Yes, Dad. Not what? Yes, Dad. Your, your tone matters. Your attitude matters because honor is different than respect. Honor is an issue of the heart, and it's something deeper. Y'all with me so far? You, you, you traveling with me on this? And, and so, biblically, and I know this is so hard for some of us, because some of our parents have been horrible and done horrible things, not deserving of our respect. But somehow God says to ascribe honor to them because of, because that they were created in his image. And when the world, listen to me friends, when the world looks at us and the world sees us dishonoring our parents, there is no way that they are going to see us honoring our Heavenly Father. Because how we honor our parents, and I'm with you on this, this is hard. I got a mom who is, who she deserves all of my respect and honor. And I got a dad, not so much. And I got to figure this out. But the world will not see me honoring God, my Heavenly Father, if they do not see me somehow bringing honor to my earthly father, right? The second group, that went over really great. Uh, it was great. The second group, uh, if we're going to talk about this thing called honor that the scripture seems abundantly clear on, is that we have to figure out how to honor those in authority. And this just doesn't work in our culture anymore, right? Anybody paying attention to the news? Uh, it's like, it's not like when we get pulled over by the cop do we go, wow, I'm so excited, a car with lights and everything just pulled me over and the guy's got a pad, he's gonna give me his autograph. <laughs> no, right? We're like, oh, these people suck, you know, and we're like, oh, but, but listen, we are called to honor uh, those in authority. When I was a kid, Honestly, you, you wouldn't have smarted off to your teachers or your coaches or your principal. Am I right? Or they would have literally showed you the door. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They would have like, right out the door. I mean, it was, do not pass, go, you're done. Is that our world today? You ask teachers, great teachers, great teachers in our church. They'll tell you there is a different culture it's a culture of dishonor now. But here's what the scripture says about authority that is placed in our life. And this is very difficult, very difficult. It says this, let everyone, this is the book of Romans chapter 13. You may want to cruise over there. Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, it says this in verse one, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which is established by God, right? The authorities that exist have been established by God. Who? God. And that stinks when the guy who is not in your party is in control. That stinks when somebody else wins authority. But this is what God says. Who puts the authority there? God. And somehow, we don't have to always respect what they do, but we honor who they are and their role in our culture. As a matter of fact, go down to verse seven. It says this, uh, Romans 13, seven. Give everyone what you owe him, and if you owe respect, then respect. If you owe honor, then honor. They're two different things, right? Respect is earned, honor is freely given, right? Uh, I'll give you an example. This past summer, uh, Lynette and I were invited to be the special guests at a large uh, national uh, conference in Washington, D.C. And uh, whoo, this was, I mean, it was really an honor for me. I mean, really an honor. And it uh, and this, this uh, conference was held at a downtown Washington, D.C. kind of high-rise uh, hotel. I'm like, this ain't Taylor anymore, honey. This is, this is, I mean, you walk out the front door of this hotel and you look and there's the capital of the United States of America right there. And you're going, woo! 
I mean, the whole conference was held in this ballroom and there was just all these people and it was so grand, it was amazing. And um, I was invited to, um, to, to give a little talk about some of the stuff that we endured as a church with the whole LGBT type of thing. And some of you guys remember that and others of you go, are going like, I don't know what you're talking about, good. Um, <laughs> But just trust me, it was a big deal. And so uh, we're there, and I, and I do this you know, little talk there, and it was, it, it, it was incredible. It really was. And um, the last day of the conference, we're, we're sitting there, and uh, the, the main guy up on stage who's leading the whole thing, he, he comes up, and he, he says something. He goes, he goes I got kind of, a, kind of a bummer news for you. Um, the keynote speaker of the whole deal uh, is not going to be able to speak this morning. And, and if you know anything about these big national conferences, that just never happens, you know? And I'm like going, what? I came all the way to Washington, D.C., and this guy's not even going to be here? And I'm like, Ugh. But he goes, hey, hey, but, I, but we got a substitute that I think you're really going to like. And he begins to uh, introduce this guy, kind of going through his you know, his resume, if you will, his little, uh, you know, his career and all that. And while he's going through this little introduction, all of a sudden we're in this grand ballroom, right? And it's got all these big doors all the way around it. And all of a sudden at every door, they, all the doors open up and in steps a guy at each door with a big old suit. And these guys look very, very serious. And I'm like going, ooh, this guy must be a hot shot or something. You know, and then all of a sudden, as this guy's doing the introduction, no kidding, like at a stage like this, this guy, all these guys come out of this back corner, and it's one, two, three, four, five guys right across the front of the stage, and they're they're looking at the audience like this, and I'm thinking, what what is what is going on here, you know? And then all of a sudden on stage, there's a guy in this corner and a guy in that corner, and every corner of the stage is covered. I'm like going, who? And here am I in Washington D.C. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what's going on right now. I put no connection together between Washington, D.C. and the Secret Service. Right? I'm like, duh. And all of a sudden, this guy up front uh, who's leading the whole thing, he says, so ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest. I would like for you to welcome the Vice President of the United States of America, Mr. Michael Pence. And he comes right out. And, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, in that moment, in a very diverse audience, people from all over the country, from every walk of life, there was not a Republican and there was not a Democrat in that moment. In that moment, we were Americans. And we stood together and we cheered. And I got personally very emotional. I'm thinking, I, I'm literally the front row because I get this place of honor, which is crazy. I'm in the front row at the front table right in the dead middle of the whole thing, right? And, and 20 feet from me is one of the most powerful men in the world. The leader of, one of the leaders of, of uh, one of the primary leaders of the, of, of the greatest nation on earth, I consider. And here he is. And, and the whole place just stands to their feet and we erupt and we applaud and we're cheering them on. And it was, I, I want to say that I would, I would hope that I would have felt that way no matter who it was. No matter which party. Because the, the, uh, the person may not always deserve respect. But that office and authority deserves honor. Y'all with me? Yeah. And, and by the way, listen, listen to this. Um, people ask me all the time, like, did you get to meet the vice president? Well, strange, yes, I did. Um, it was kind of crazy, actually, because I was on the platform. I I'm not sure exactly how all this went down, but all of a sudden, uh, the vice president of the United States comes right over to me, and he puts his hand out, and he says, Pastor Jeremy? And I'm like... <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, yeah. And, uh, Mr. President, Vice President, and, uh, woo, uh, uh, how you doing? And, uh, and he, and, and I'm like, how do you know me? He says, so what you may not know about Mike Pence, he's a very outspoken Christian. He really is. He is a legit follower of Jesus and, uh, very outspoken about his faith. And, um, and he, he says, well, you know, being in Washington, I don't always get to go to church. And so, uh, I, I catch you online quite often, which is quite cool, right? Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And I totally lied just about all of that right there. I did, I, and you guys are like clapping. I did, not, I did not get to meet him. I wish I, I got to be 20 feet from him, but I just made that part up. I just wanted to see what you would do. It's true, I made that up. Uh, but you clapped, 
And now you're never gonna believe anything else I ever say again, right? But it was so cool. Uh, <laughs> I wish that would have happened. Wouldn't that have been so cool? Uh, but I do gotta tell you something. I gotta, okay, I'm gonna have to hurry. I gotta tell you something. This is not even in the script. I gotta tell you this real quick. Um, so at the end of this whole deal, he tells for uh, 30 minutes of his faith. And it was, I, I mean, you're like, wow, this guy's legit and um, just powerful. And uh, so at the very end, the leader of the whole deal comes out. It's a true story now. This is true, okay. Uh, he comes out and uh, he comes over to the vice president, their friends, and uh, he's standing next to the vice president. And he says, uh, he says uh, Mr. President, Vice President, you know, we have this long tradition in Christian brotherhood that we pray for our leaders and that we, we would love to pray for you. And, uh, and so it was funny because he does this. We would love to pray for you. And they're old friends, you know. And uh, he puts his arm around the vice president. And I kid you not, all the Secret Service guys on stage were like, Rah! and like, I thought, they're going to tackle this guy right here, right now, and knock him down, okay? Because, and the vice president goes, it's okay, it's okay. You know, and so he goes, we can pray. And then, it was so funny, like they're getting ready to pray, and literally, the, the, the Secret Service guys surround the, the vice president. I'm like, this is the most awkward prayer ever, you know? Because they're like freaked out, because this guy's holding them like this, you know? And then the guy in charge of the event says to this large crowd, says, uh, you know, there's another tradition in the Christian faith that we would often stand, and if you can't lay hands on your brother or sister, you extend a hand of grace. And so he invites the whole crowd to stand up. And I kid you not, I'm in the very front, and I look behind, there's a thousand people, you know, and they're all standing up, and all of a sudden they raise their hand. I kid you not, you should have saw all the security guards, all the secret service, they all go... They're, they're like this, and then all of a sudden they're like this. Because why? They're watching for people's hands, and they're watching for guns and all this. And now the guy invited everybody to wave their hands in the air. And it was, you should have saw the look on the secret service. I was like five feet from the guy, like right here. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, this is called a prayer meeting. That's what we do, okay? It was so great. Y'all with me so far? Okay, true story. True story. Um, you see, listen. Before you can be put over, you have to learn to get under. Before you can lead, you have to follow. Before God gives you more, you have to learn to serve, right? This is what God says, to respect and to honor those in authority. Uh, now, one more. This one's very, very difficult to talk about, and I'm running out of time. Uh, honor, now this is very difficult, and we don't talk about this in, in church very much, but we are to honor those that have spiritual input into our life in a very special way. We are to honor our spiritual leaders in the church. Here's what the scripture says. Listen. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well, those that direct the affairs of the church well, are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And in case you're wondering, that would be me. <laughs> so, so, if you bring a dozen cookies to your campus pastor, you would bring two dozen cookies to me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm no longer interested in cookies. I'm thinking healthy these days. Healthy. Y'all with me? Healthy, right? Uh, but it is a biblical mandate to honor those in spiritual authority over you. And I get it. It's hard. It's hard. We look at the world, and we look at the church, and we look at religion, and it is screwed up. Am I right? Um, do you remember back in the 70s, some of you guys remember a guy named Jim Jones? Anybody remember Jim Jones? Uh, he had a church called the People's Temple Church, and it was in California, and then he moves about 1,000 people to South America in a, a little uh, country called Guyana, and uh, he starts his own little town called Jonestown. Anybody remember this? And then in a, uh, the Americans, we woke up one day to the news that uh, Jim Jones committed murder-suicide for his entire church that followed his leadership. 918 men women, children, 304 of which were children, and they took uh, cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. And, and literally, this is where you get the saying, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Anybody ever hear that? That's where it comes from. It's, it's true. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. People say about Metro, oh, it's cult, don't drink the Kool-Aid. No, but I've heard people say this. 
has to be caught because nobody actually enjoys going to church like those people at Metro enjoy going to church. I'm like, and they go, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Like, right? Right? Uh, who, after Jim Jones, remember a guy named David Koresh down in Waco, Texas? He was a wacko in Waco. Anybody remember that guy? Um, yeah. And, and then you look at what's gone on in the Catholic Church with priests and, and children. In, in the unbelieving world, and even believers like us, we look at that and go, I'm not following these people. I'm not giving them honor. And, and, and then you look at then, then you look at these preacher types that are getting rich off of their ministry, off of serving the Lord, and they're living in the lap of luxury. You know what I'm talking about? And you look at these guys and you go, what is going on here? And then it's one sexual infidelity after another and one brokenness after another and just one bad situation after another. And you look at that and you go, no stinking way. Am I going to honor those put in spiritual authority? As a matter of fact, I'm going to run from it. Let, let me read this to you again. 1 Timothy chapter 5. The elders who direct the affairs of the church, what is this word? Well. That's the key word, isn't it? They deserve honor. They deserve honor. Not those who screw it up. Those who screw it up do not deserve their position or our respect. But those who do it well deserve something different. Absolutely, we should be wise. Absolutely, we should never blindly follow anyone. Um, th those people and many more um, who, who, who we could talk about, they have ruined it for people like many of you who faithfully, quietly, and humbly serve in, in ministry. As, as a matter of fact, listen to this. Um, I've been doing this church thing for a long time now. And I have met countless men and women who lead at all levels, who are humble and gracious and are in it for the right reasons. And they never want applause. They don't want riches. They don't want fame. Uh, they don't want their name lifted up. They have no other desire than to have the name of Jesus lifted up. That's it. That's it. As a matter of fact, in the book of uh, Ephesians, in the scripture, in the New Testament, uh, there's this little church, a lot like Metro. They're just trying to make it. They're trying to figure out how to reach people. They're trying to do good in this world. And Paul leans in. Paul's the church starter. He's the church planner. And he gets this whole thing going. And he leans into them. And he says, listen, you guys, those of you who are going to lead, I'm going to tell you how to lead. You're going to lead as a slave is to his master. You're going to lead as a slave to Jesus. And you're going to lead out of the same love and out of the same grace and out of the same uh, uh, heart that Jesus lived. And you're going to serve the church like Jesus served the church. And how did Jesus serve the church? He what? Come on, he what? He died for the church that he was creating. And he says, this is how spiritual leaders are to lead. And so friends, uh, can I just take a moment and uh, give a shout out to our staff at this little church. Um, I, I can tell you this. Every single man and woman on our staff serve with this kind of heart as a, as a slave unto Jesus. I mean, almost every one of them have left much higher paying jobs with much higher high-end opportunity to come and work here for us because they believe in our community. They want to build the community of God. They want to do great, great things. So friends, I want you to think about this. Um, one of the great things about our church here, our little church, uh, how do I say this? Is that you, you make it easy for, for me to serve like this. You really do. Uh, you, you show honor to me and my family regularly. Um, I, don't, I never feel like, like people are trying to undercut me and you know, usurp the mission of our church. You, you, you figured out a way to honor me. And let me tell you something. When, when you do this, here's what happens in my soul. Oh my goodness. I need to go back to God because of the incredible weight and responsibility that God has allowed me to have. I want to know him better and I want to know his will for our church. And because of the way you honor me, you, 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 you encourage me to, to seek God at higher levels. And when I say, hey, I feel like God's leading in this direction, when you get behind me, uh, not blindly, 
but wisely. When you get behind and you say, hey, if you feel God leading, we're with you. It makes me seek the heart of God at higher and higher levels. Amen? Amen. So let's, let's wrap this up a little bit. Uh, here is what I would encourage us to do. Uh, here's our assignment. The Bible says this very clearly. Book of Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. And here it is. Outdo one another in showing honor. Woo! What up? So we're, we're to outdo one another in showing honor. And so every week, most weeks, you come to this church. And I just want to encourage you to outdo one another in showing honor. I want to encourage you to, to call our pastors, Pastor Kevin or Pastor DJ or Pastor Evan. Show them the honor that they deserve. They've made incredible sacrifices for this church. Honor them. Some of you have been dropping off your kids to Metro Kids for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, and you don't even know the teacher's name who has invested in your child's spiritual well-being. You know what I think you should do? I think you should get their name and pray for them every stinking day, and then you should go buy them a little gift card and bring it back and say, thank you for investing in my kid. That's what I think we should do. And when you come into this place and some person on the first five opens the door for you and it's raining out there and they pull a little umbrella and they get you and the kids in and they're saying, you belong here. You say, high five to you. Thank you. Smile at them. Be grateful that they're doing this. You come in here, you see people cleaning our bathrooms. You see people serving at Baxter's. You honor them. You know, it breaks my heart sometimes. I, I've had different Baxter's volunteers and employees say, you know, I love my job, but the worst people that I serve are the people who call Metro their church home. I'm like, what? They just take us for granted. You know, it's not a money-making business at all. Do you realize that? We do this because we love our people and we're trying to create a great atmosphere. Honor them. They, you come in there and you see the dishes piled up. What would it hurt if you took your, hey, can I go back there and wash some dishes for you all? Somebody else did it for you. Let's, let's raise the bar of honor. Listen, kids in this room, children in this room, honor your stinking parents. <laughs> honor them. Speak with love and respect and gratitude toward them. You, you know what? You want something out of your parent? You honor them. And I'm telling you right now, they're opening that wallet. Like, keep that up, baby. Come on. Right? Can, can I just, can I just, uh, just for a moment, can I do something very personal? Can I honor my best friend and the mother of my four children? Listen. Now, now Listen. Um, I want to say to Lynette, and I don't know if she's in the service, um, that you have served me so well, far better than I deserve. And uh, you have suffered pain that this church will never see. And you have made sacrifices that this church will never know. And you have been graceful all along the way. And you have treated me far better than I've treated you. I know this, and I want to, I want to do better. Now listen. And, and Lynette, I don't know if you're in here, but I'm telling you right now, um, you love Jesus more today and you love me today and you love our church more than ever. And this church owes you a great debt and so do I. Amen. Yeah. And, and while I'm at it, can I just do something else? Uh, I want to honor our elders who serve here. Uh, some of you guys don't even know these guys, but faithfully, they have stood solid for our church. During unbelievable uh, transition and trial, they have stood with great faith, with great honor, with great stability, holding fast to the word of God. Uh, my, my friend Ron Olson and Ken Bussell and my friend uh, Roger Vincent and, and my friend Steve Burke and their wives. They deserve our honor. They deserve our honor. And, and I want to honor the name above all names. Jesus. Who? And some of you know this. And some of you, these are your words. But Jesus, the Son of God, has changed my life. He's captured my heart. He, he's 
He's moved me to places and to become a man that I never could have become without him. Um, that, that he's forgiven my sin, which is many, which is deep, which is hurtful and destructive, but he has forgiven me and, re- and made me somebody better than I am on my own and has done for me what I could never do on my own. And, and listen, friends, we're not going to be, we're not going to be a church that just gives lip service to, to the son of God. We're not just going to be, oh, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my man. You know, little baby Jesus in the manger. No. No, this is, this is how Isaiah, the great prophet, said it. Looking at people that are often like us. He says, these people, he says, these people come near to me with their, with their mouth and they honor me with their, what is it? Their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Honor is an issue of the heart. And let me tell you something, next time Jesus comes to earth, he's not coming as a little eight-pound, four-ounce baby Jesus. He's coming with a sword, and he's coming in the clouds, and he's leading an army, and he's riding a white stallion, and he's coming down from heaven to earth to establish his forever kingdom, where he is restoring all things to himself, where he is claiming victory over all things. It will not be like the last run. And we cannot be a generation that just gives him lip service. We must love him with our hearts and honor him with our lives. It is a forgotten virtue, this thing called honor. But if we are going to follow the king of kings, we better get this thing called honor right. Amen?